Welcome to Film Grain, the official podcast of the Film Society of Northwestern Pennsylvania and the Greater Erie Film Office. We preview film productions and events in the region and speak with creative entrepreneurs as Erie carves out its part in the wider industry landscape. My name is John Lines. I'm a filmmaker, teaching artist, and the executive director of the Film Society of Northwestern Pennsylvania. And today I'm joined by Brad Patillo, educator, Hi. filmmaker. Hello. Are we on? Should <laughs> yeah, I speak? On. Okay. No, it's good. Hi, I'm this Brad. Is, this is just a one-on-one today. So get ready wow, to go that's... on a deep dive with Brad Patillo. No pressure. On this week's episode at Film Grain Dinner and a Movie, we present the director's cut of Midsommar plus the new short film Stuffed by Brad Patillo. That's me. That's my film. <laughs> In our roundtable discussion, uh, Brad and I are going to talk about film festivals. Okay. And how they fit into the landscape in 2019 for independent filmmakers. Are they worth the time, the money? What are the benefits of film festivals? So think on that a little bit, Brad. Should I answer now or just Not yet. Okay. Not yet. (laughs) Okay. I'll think about it. But first, vote for the Best of Erie 2019 Awards through the Erie Reader, eriereader.com. We've got 10 nominees for Best Filmmaker, and 90% of them this year are actual filmmakers. Maybe next year we can work on getting an animated filmmaker nominated for 2020. What do you say about that, Brad? Oh, can we do that? We could and should. I would like that. (laughs) Also vote for Best Actor, Best Actress, Best Nonprofit, Film Society of Northwestern Pennsylvania, and Best Art Event, Film Grain Dinner and a Movie. So please consider those when you're voting at eriereader.com. Is there a new issue out this week? Is it in there? It should be. Okay. Yeah. I was never, even though I have a comic strip in there, I'm never quite sure when they come out. Yeah, it's every other Wednesday. and um, So the new one has the out. voting in it? It should. It should right. for a while. Cool. So, so vote. I will vote for sure. So Film Grain Dinner and a Movie is our Wednesday night film series. Events take place at the Bourbon Barrel, 1213 State Street in downtown Erie, Pennsylvania. The series features a big screen, couch and table seating options, great company, and as of this month, an upgraded sound system. Dinner is buffet style and included with your admission, vegetarian options every week, and gluten-free on request, plus table service all night long. Reserve your seats when you order online at filmsocietynwpa.org. This Wednesday, we're starting with a screening of Brad Patillo's new animated short, Stuffed, which we'll dive into here in just a moment. And our lead-in is our feature film, Midsommar, and we're showing the new director's cut. Have you seen it? Yeah, so I've seen Midsommar. Um, It played in Erie for just a week. At Tinseltown, and this was the theatrical um, cut of the film. And this is from um, Ari Aster, who directed Hereditary, um, which we showed last year, which had a great performance in it from Tony Collette. Um, This is his new film, so he is quite busy. Also uh, released under A24, and they do, I really trust their selections in genre. We talked about on our episode last week, Britton and I especially really appreciate um, the new trend, I guess, uh, in in these genre films 
They have um, study some societal issues and some commentary. Anyways, so Midsommar um, is about a young couple. They've been together for four years, um, but there's definitely some friction and some problems in the relationship, and uh, you definitely get the feeling from um, the gentleman's perspective from his friends that they want him out of this relationship, and uh, he's kind of holding on from his perspective to this relationship because his girlfriend has gone through quite a lot of tragedy um, in her life. And recently, like right as the film kicks off, uh, is a great, powerful, disturbing scene um, that kind of leads you into the the world of these characters. So she has a she's really um, going through some some deep shit, and at the same time, he and his buddies uh, are going to Sweden for a festival that takes place every ninety years. And she comes along for the ride, much against uh, the wishes of him and his buddies who wanted to go and have a good time and party at a festival. And what uh, unfolds is some drug-induced celebration of Midsommar, mostly in broad daylight. And yeah, it's very chilling and disturbing. Though I have to admit, not knowing what this says about me, and I don't know how you reacted, Britain, but I laughed quite a lo- quite gleefully and had a big shit-eating grin on my face for most of the film. I expect to react similarly. I have a similar sense of humor. I like horror films. I like dark comedies. And especially when they sort of cross over a little, I guess. Yeah. It sounds like this has elements of both. Yeah. I haven't seen it. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. But, you know, any horror film that's, well, any any horror film, really. I'm a, I'm a fan of the genre. I, I don't get to watch a lot of them because I got kids. Um, so... And my wife doesn't particularly like them. So sometimes, like, that's kind of my go-to on Netflix. When my wife's out of town, my kids are in bed. I'm like, all right, what horror <laughs> film can I watch? I think the most recent one was uh, Escape Room. I don't, if, I don't know if that's oh, a okay. horror yeah. film. Yeah, I haven't seen it, but familiar. It was, it was all right. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know if it's horror. What's going to be the first horror film that you introduce your your children to? What do you think's a good gateway Horror film. My eight-year-old, I'm a little worried about him. You know, he's he's gonna go as Jason Voorhees for Halloween. Okay. Uh, I, I he hasn't seen any of those. He's been he's been begging to watch Friday the Thirteenth and um, Nightmare on Elm Street. He I wants haven't, to see some classics. Yeah. Yeah. I I haven't seen either one of those in a while. Um, I I really don't remember much about them yeah so probably a review a revisit is somewhere in your future to make sure that uh when the time is right i mean i was how old were you when you watched those for the first time um i remember seeing several nightmare on elm street movies in the theater when i was like a teen probably like i'm gonna say like seventh eighth grade maybe okay yeah. Ish. And then throughout high school, they were coming out like, like wild, you know, they were just one after the other at that point. Right. These sequels, you know, it was, it was some either a Friday the 13th or a, a Freddy movie or one of those 80s slasher things. 
So those were your first, your first ones. Well, I I remember seeing The Shining really early too. Okay. Yeah. And that had some pretty horrific imagery in it. Mm-hmm. Stuff that I'm kind of desensitized now <laughs> to because I've seen it so many times. Yeah. I'm. Does horror though still still get you? It can still even though you say you're desensitized and you've watched from a young age and been a fan, are there still things that you? Well, like you said, you're not too up on the current ones, but are there still things that impress you maybe recently that you've seen in the last um, five or so years? I really loved It Follows. Yeah. I saw that like when my wife was out of town. And... Yeah, It Follows is like a good STD. Um, yeah, <laughs> good a STD. ghost in an STD yeah. or something, but I mean, it was genuinely creepy. Mm-hmm. And I remember just, being really creeped out by it. I mean, I remember being impressed that it was something I hadn't seen before. Right. You know? And it was an independent. It had a fairly low budget. Um, yeah, and they did a good job being creepy with – it was not – there weren't really a lot of effects. There wasn't really a lot of gore. Mm-hmm. It was just genuinely creepy. Yeah. Good That's, soundtrack, good uh, good ambiance. Yeah, you really felt in the world. With, remember the with scene with the – the old lady, like when she's first realizing she's in trouble. Yeah. And there's that scene where she's in the classroom and she's like way off. She sees this old lady just, I don't know if you remember that scene. I do, yeah. She, you know, a couple minutes later, she looks again. She's still walking. I don't know. It was, it was a good scene. Yeah. That so, and the op- I think it's the opening or it's close to the opening, maybe the credits with the girl, like kind of early morning running down the, the road and – banging on all the doors, yelling for help. Oh, yeah. You know, it really sets sets the tone. Nobody's nobody's helping her. So yeah. that one was good. I think it's more, yeah, that kind of stuff impresses me. Mm-hmm. Low budget, high concept. Yeah. And just making the most out of what they got. Right. Like having, having a really good idea, like an original idea, and uh, making something out of it. Relying mm-hmm. on creativity as as opposed to maybe some base, base yeah. instinctual. <laughs> did you ever watch, I think it was called Triangle? I think I mentioned that to you, you once did. before. You did. It's still on my Netflix. I haven't watched it. I can't I'm decide sorry. if I like it. <laughs> I it's so weird. So you're not sure if you recommend Triangle? I watched it, and an, a, that's another one. It's like... That's kind of a cool idea. Low is it a low budget? Oh kind yeah, of high super concept? low. Yeah, super what's, low budget. What's super the high. Setup for triangle. These people are like in a room, and there's probably like several dozen of them. You never learn anyone's name, and eventually, uh, after about twenty minutes or so, they figure out that every few minutes somebody dies. Like okay. They get struck by lightning or some electrical shock hits them they just fall over dead and well that, they figure that out right away and then eventually they figure out that they're actually voting oh. on who dies wow you know? so there's been a thing like implanted in their hand and they pointed at somebody and wow and then the person who gets the most vote dies <laughs> so if you're annoying in this room of people basically good good luck to you and it's just kind of weird how it plays out i mean all right. Well, I'm interested. It's uh, I, I, but I'm not sure if it's good. <laughs> I, I don't think the acting in it is that good. <laughs> okay. Like the now like, you're talking me out of it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Well, I, well, it was fun. I mean, I I enjoyed watching it once. You know, I think it's worth watching once. That's well, another one that I watched just because I was alone. 
Yeah. And I'm looking for something scary, yeah. you know, because I, I need that fix. And the Netflix algorithm popped that one up on your radar and you're like, yeah, I'll try that. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. But it's super, I think in the end it's like aliens or something that's oh, doing okay. it. And I'm like, what? All right. <laughs> well, there's no aliens in Midsommar. That's a, that's a spoiler, I guess. But, yeah, um, I'm excited. Yeah, so that's that's going to be our main feature. And then uh, Brad will... We'll get into stuffed here in our next segment, but um, everyone come to Midsommar and stuffed Wednesday night. Pre-sales are available through our website, filmsocietynwpa.org. So, Brad, uh, where do you hail from? Where did the life of Brad begin? Michigan. Michigan. Yeah. And how did you find your way to Northwestern Pennsylvania? They hired me. Oh, um, shit. Yeah. Edinburgh University, where you work. Yeah. I did, I, I guess it was probably 2002. How old were you in 2002? This is when you got hired by uh, Edinburgh? Sounds like math. <laughs> well, I didn't get hired. I, I came here for an interview and then didn't get the job. Okay. And then I think I got because now I was on their radar. What was the job? It was for an animator. Okay, you know, animation a, professor? Yeah, and, you know, Dave Weinkoff was here, Mike Gens, and I think that was the whole cinema department at that time. And Dave was, what, the one-man show for film, and Mike was the one-man show for animation? Yeah. Kind of a thing? Yeah. Dave was was a one-man show for both for two or three decades. Let me do the math here. Like The first came Dave, yeah, and then he, he got Mike. Yeah, there were some um, other faculty in between there. There, were, there was other animators here um, teaching those classes, but Mike, well, he stayed. He stuck around. How many places were teaching animation back in the early aughts? Um, I was teaching in Detroit. Um, I, I was, you know, I, you know, I went to undergrad at Michigan and I studied communications actually and uh, did a lot of just art stuff extracurricularly. I was like um, an actor in some stage productions and okay. wasn't very good. But that was important um, experience because I learned about acting and mm -hmm. stage acting, importantly, because stage acting is kind of like... Very animated, right? Yeah. You, you, we look at that, you know, stage acting and silent film acting. We look at that as reference, acting reference for animation because you can't... I mean, you need to project the performance. And, and I did some cartoons, too, like drew comics and cartoons for newspaper. And So then you had an interest in drawing. Yeah, I had interest in art, but I just didn't think I was good enough, or I didn't think I was good enough to have a career in it. Um, my communication degree, I didn't do anything with it. I was, like, painting apartments for a couple years. Which was also good experience because I now own a house and you can paint. Yeah, and I can do <laughs> I can do drywall and even some light carpentry. Okay, so that's been useful from that. And then I at that time, so we're in like probably '97 now. I think that I, w I was going to study animation. I decided that I'd just go for it at some point. I was like, I'm just going to 
follow my dream and study animation. Was it a particular maybe new film or something that had come out recently around that time that reignited that interest or while you were painting houses and um during that era you know i the wallace and gromit films were coming out Mm. and um i had a vhs collection of those like each one on a vhs yeah i watched those a lot those were inspiring there was a lot actually looking back that you know, the, the Transformers, oh, yeah. like I was mm-hmm. really into that show and I would watch the animation in it and right. notice flaws in it. In the movie, Transformers, the movie. Oh, yeah. I've drawn some comics about that being a, a watershed moment for many people in my generation of when our innocence was lost. Right. With the swear, <laughs> There were swear words, right? There was they, damn, damn and shit, I yeah, think they said. I, I heard mean, they put the shit in. I can say shit then. Yeah. <laughs> you can say whatever you want. <laughs> they, I heard they put the shit in because they wanted to get a PG rating. Huh. And like because that, that was it important would, to them. Well, because it would play in more theaters, apparently. Interesting. And, and at that time, I, I don't know, somebody's fact-checking me at home right now. I, I don't know. This is what I read about it, but yeah. And then, of course, they killed a bunch of characters. Right. They needed to sell more toys. Like, you can't play with these toys anymore. <laughs> Those characters are dead. Time to upgrade. You've got to buy these toys, <laughs> which makes sense, I guess. There's you got a show that goes for two years, and it's depicting two factions at war with each other. Yeah. Somebody's it's like, of course somebody's going to, it's a war. Of course somebody's going to die. Yeah. I remember the G.I. Joe cartoon introduced those robots that right. they would always kill the robots right. so they didn't have to depict <laughs> people dying. Right. Interesting. So at some point you decided, um, yeah, I really, I really love this stuff. I want to, yeah. I want to get more into it and take some, some classes. Yeah. And the Disney Renaissance was going on at that time too. So that I think that during the 90s they made a lot of really good movies and any in particular that were I I always have a soft spot for Little Mermaid, okay. you know. Yeah. Um it was just I don't know. I like the songs and I like the characters and um that was probably my favorite of that era. Mm-hmm. So during during this era are you kind of working on your own like doing flip books or any any kind of animated work at all or not it wasn't really it wasn't nearly as accessible as it is now Mm -hmm. you know we had computers but they were huge machines and they didn't do a lot i remember i had this software it was called disney animation studios oh i think and i had it on um boy i think it was an early like pc back in the day and it was from disney and you could do like very rudimentary like onion skinning or whatever you call it and oh. stuff like that well that's cool i'm blowing your mind right yeah now. I, yeah it came on the big big floppy discs like you know 20 of them or five something. and a half yeah. inch <laughs> yeah floppy yeah you get to a point and you're like it freezes and says <laughs> you gotta stick in the next floppy right to continue yes you've made it to floppy 13 yeah. <laughs> exactly. What medium then were you working in? Was it like, you know, pencil and paper kind of stuff you were doing yeah. to start out? I mean, that's how it started, you know. Mm-hmm. And the so I I went to Savannah, Georgia. And at that time there were only like like less than 10 programs, you know, in the country. Okay. That and, were teaching. That, that were doing it. Well, I was looking for a grad program too. Oh, okay. There there were probably more undergrad programs, but I think there are only like six or seven grad programs. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So, you know, it, it was pencils and paper. I was in a program which at the time was called computer art. That was the name okay. of the degree. And there were different tracks. One of the tracks was traditional animation. So I did, yeah, a lot of pencils and paper stuff, and it was super crude. You know, they had a, a thing where you shot it. They had one thing where you shot the animation, and I didn't know anything about it. Like, hmm. there, there wasn't any, I mean, the internet was existed, but it, yeah. it didn't, it wasn't, like. No, you can pull up a YouTube video of somebody explaining how all yeah, of this works. exactly. Right? <laughs> and I made a stop-motion film. I took a class that was kind of like what, what we have here, Animation 1. It was like the first-level class. And I remembered the Wallace and Gromit films, and I thought, I'm going to do, do a clay animation, wow. you know. And I had no idea how to do it. Yeah, the that's puppets, ambitious. yeah, <laughs> it was. It ended up being like I don't know about three minutes, and it was terrible. It was you did awful. this while you were in grad school. Yeah. Okay. It was like four class, or yeah, it was. I mean, it was basically an introductory level animation okay. class. And you chose to do a stop motion. Yeah. And Holy the, shit! The characters <laughs> were built. All I had no idea how to build a puppet, and they were all wrong, and they fell apart constantly. <laughs> At the end of it, there were strings holding them up, and everything's made of cardboard, so it's like collapsing during the shot. <laughs> but we finished it, and I learned a lot. Yeah, you know what not to do. They didn't really have a stop motion animator there. The person teaching the class also had no idea how to do it. Wow. So they were like, "Yeah, sure." That because I showed my armatures, and they're like, "Yeah, that looks good," and it was totally wrong. <laughs> it was like wire that you use to hang a picture. You nice. know, that flimsy wire, yeah. like screwed to balsa wood and like a bunch of clay on that. So the clay was way heavier than the wire and it. Yeah. So but that got me going. I guess that somehow got me hired at Will Vinton. OK. <laughs> somehow that shitty film. Why? Well, you know, I put together a demo reel. OK. I was kind of in the right place at the right time, though, because Will Vinton was hiring <laughs> Where is Will Vinton? Well, they were in Portland, Oregon. Okay. They're called Leica now. So I've, that that's I've the I've heard of that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they were doing That's the, awesome. You know, Will Vinton had won a an Oscar for a film he did in the seventies and in the eighties they were doing California Raisins and mm. Avoid the Noid commercials. Mm, oh man, yeah. If you remember those classics. Yeah. And there was a Michael Jackson video. They I'm did sure I've where, seen them all. Where he was he was stop motion. Yeah. And, and he was like a rabbit. You remember that yeah. one? Yeah. That was them. Yeah. I remember walking into the studio and being blown away. Like, I, I work here. Like, because I went in there to do some tests and they had like the, in the lobby, they had the the aircraft from the Mark Twain movie. You remember the creepy Mark Twain movie that? No. was all stop motion, and they're in, like, an aircraft, like a giant... Mark Twain's in an aircraft? Yeah, it's like a dirigible, <laughs> like a big, funky steampunk thing. Oh, wow. No, I don't and, remember. And uh, there's a super cool. super creepy scene where they meet Satan. What? It's just a weird movie. Yeah, Is this on... I need to find this. It's feature length, yeah. Okay. It's all clay. Maybe it's on the, on the internet that you referred to. It, mi- it might it. be, yeah. I have a VHS of it, <laughs> Okay. I think. Wow. Just called The Adventures of Mark Twain, I think. So they had, and the thing, the the thing was like six feet tall. And then the puppets on it were like this big. I'm holding my like, fingers about like three, four inches. Three, four inches, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and they had, you know, raisin puppets and noid puppets. And I just, 
my head exploded. So you put together a reel. You applied to Will Vinton, which became Leica. Yeah. And they liked what they saw. Well, they liked it enough to bring me out and do some tests. So they gave me a PJ's puppet, which was Thorogood. Um, if you remember the PJs, the TV show with Eddie Murphy. Oh, man. It was Jeez. a stop motion show. Yeah. Um, okay. So they had, they had done one season of that. Okay. And they had hired, like, all of the stop motion animators in the country at that point to come there. Which and is how many, how many people? Well. <laughs> like 20 here. It's a pretty small industry. I don't know. The number. The last number I heard was somewhere a couple thousand okay. people in the world yeah. who, who do this, like, for a living. So you were part of this PJ's group? Uh, no. Okay. I would see they were they were already there. Okay. And so they had done one season already. They were gearing up for season two. And that's when you came in. Yeah. You were invited. And they were also gearing up for another show called Gary and Mike. So they needed to hire, like, 200 animators lickety split wow so i think there was anybody who had any stop motion on their reel Timing i think they just brought them in and can you animate with this puppet you know yeah. this, this looks terrible but clearly you had no idea how to build a puppet <laughs> but let's give him a good puppet yeah see what he can do sink yeah. or swim kind of a thing so it was kind of based on that that i got hired more and i had some other stuff i had animated in college too mostly pencils okay you know like and there wasn't really much even in the way of software um, to color the animation or there were, there were no Cintiqs at that time. And right. There were tablets, but, um, and I had a crude tablet at that time. How long were you there and what did you work on? On, at Vinton? Yeah. I, I think it was there about three years. Okay. So we did, did 13 episodes of Gary and Mike. And, you know, I did a little bit on the PJs kind of in between. And I, I did a couple of like, commercials and just random stuff they were doing um and it was a little bit off and on you know we did um six episodes of gary and mike and then fox dropped the show and so i was unemployed for a couple months but then somebody else i think upn picked the show up and they ordered seven more episodes Hmm. and that was about the first six episodes was probably about I think about eight months, and then the other seven was probably a year, okay. you know. And so in between there, I was doing other stuff and like work. your own stuff, or I did some of my own stuff. I did some work for hire, like mm-hmm. commercials, and mostly just animating on yeah. like commercials that somebody else got, you know, um, or or doing construction, you know, set construction or um, set painting. So you got some really good experience, for yeah. sure. While oh, you're yeah. there, you're you're working. It was great. Um, they were they were awesome. Yeah. Will just passed away like earlier this year. Mm. I don't know if you saw that. But, mm. um, he was he was really you know, the studio was great. You know, they they bought us bagels every Monday morning and beer and pizza every Friday afternoon. That's awesome. And I got really fat, <laughs> and then I just stayed fat. But, um, <laughs> And we were standing there pushing puppets around all day, so it wasn't. I mean, it was physical. I mean, stop motion is very physical, right? You know, you're. I remember Phil Tippett. Uh, oh yeah. Talking about you know like being hunched, hunched he, over, a, and 
he's an interesting character. He's a very he's, interesting yeah. character. But him talking about like the repetitive motion, like over yeah. and over and over and over. So, I mean, how many hours are you know you on your feet? Kind of like it's a lot of bending over. Yeah. What's the next step after that? What do you get into? Um, I worked a little bit on uh, Deathmatch, uh, cele- oh, celebrity, celebrity Deathmatch. Death that was um, MTV. Yeah, that was in New wow. York, and that's cool. I was there for not much time at all. Um, How was that um, environment? The work environment was not very good. Hmm. Um, MTV thought very highly of themselves in the 90s. Uh, oh, sure. It was, you know, it was interesting because I was, uh, the building, it was the Paramount building. It was okay. like right in the middle of Times yeah. Square. Yeah. And it was like the 17th floor or something. And it You're was, in the heart of it. Yeah, and it was Deathmatch and Daria on that floor. Okay, um, yeah. And I always wanted to get in on Daria because mm-hmm. I loved that show. Yeah. And Deathmatch was just ridiculous, yeah. you know. But I would imagine <laughs> fun. I mean, what's the process of were you involved at all in the kind of creative story side or was it here's oh, no. what we want, you execute? Yeah. Yeah. This is your shot. Animate it. Yeah. We had no, yeah, creative. How big was your but, your – I guess the group that was working on, on that. That one was there was a lot of turnover. Okay, you know for a lot of burnout. Oh yeah, people were burnt out. You know, several people kind of snapped. You really, know. it was a really stressful environment. Wow, people got fired. I I kind of walked out. Okay, I did. How like, long did you work there? It's like two weeks. Oh, <laughs> oh shit. I did like a Jerry Maguire. I'm like, yeah, I can't. I'm not. I'm not doing this. Yeah. Yeah. I Who did, did you animate? Did what, char- what characters did I, you get your hands on? Uh, Eminem. Okay. Um, Kid Rock. <laughs> there was a Kid Rock versus Eminem fight. <laughs> nice. Yeah. I did some of that. Um, Carson Daly was in there. Okay. Because wow. he was in the, he was like announcing that. He was like the guest announcer. Yeah. I got to kill Carson Daly. Great. So that was, <laughs> I animated some of the two guys, like every episode has, the two announcers yep. in the there's that one shot of them that mm-hmm. they always cut to in every episode where they're just sitting and announcing. So, yeah. and those were simple, simple shots to do because they're seated, s- switching out the mouth, right. and doing gestures. Yeah, I and um, I don't know. There was some weird monsters I animated. I never really understood what it was. They had the show had started to get weird at that point. They were like. There was this one episode where they made a couple of Frankenstein-like monsters and made them fight, you hmm. know. And they, yeah, they ran was... out of celebrities. Did they run, <laughs> run through the roster? Yeah, they killed everybody. They... <laughs> so you're there and you say, adios MTV. Yeah, and I was unemployed. And I, I worked a little bit on this other show in San Francisco called Phantom Investigators. I think I was there for about a month or a couple months. And you're bouncing all over the place. And yeah. This is like what in your twenties? Yeah, twenties. I want to say I was. Yeah, let's see. Let me do the math here. 20s, Twenty early thirties, maybe. No, I was like late, mid to late twenties. Okay. Here, so I'm still. Yeah, young. you're just going, going where I, where the work is. Basically. I slept on a park bench one night in San Francisco. Whew. So I was kind of homeless. Which was kind of cool. I don't know. I uh, some life experience there. Yeah. So I got out there. I'm. I'm I just went there. You know, because they they're like, did we you need know somebody out there? Yeah, but it's the thing. Like, I knew people who were at Vinton who are there now. Okay. 
And I just went out there figuring I'd crash on someone's couch. Yeah. But everybody I knew was already crashing on someone else's couch. Oh, man. So there weren't any couches. So, like, the first time, I'm like, what do I do? And I just went to, you know, went to Golden Gate Park and just lay down on a bench and slept for a couple hours. And, oh, my God. And, and then, like, the next night, I, there was a couch in the studio. And so I'm like, all right, I can crash here. So I crashed there for a night. And then they're like, you can't stay here. What are you thinking? <laughs> and then I was in a hostel um, right above a dance club. Yeah. Um, which was loud. Yeah. Did you dance a little bit and then you just crashed downstairs? I didn't no visit dancing. the dance club. I was oh, just boy. in a hostel. And then finally some, I found a couch, like probably a week in. Yeah. Someone's like, oh, okay. And then I crashed on someone's floor for a night. But you're in your 20s. You know, you can do these things. Yeah. It was, it was that's, what the, that's what your 20s are for. So was the Edinburgh gig kind of the first? That was the s- stability yeah. moment, I guess. Yeah, basically. I was teaching in uh, Detroit. Okay. So I I'd actually finished my degree. I went, when I got the Will Vinton job, I, I wasn't quite done with my degree. Okay. But I, I went there because I thought I shouldn't turn down the offer. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, the work kind of dried up. You know, there was no stop motion work. And by that time, I was pegged as a stop motion animator. Mm-hmm. And they wouldn't hire me to do anything else. Mm-hmm. So there there was no stop mo- motion work in the United States between about Phantom Investigators wrapped in, I think it was like 2001 or 2002 maybe. Between that time and when Robot Chicken started, there wasn't really any work. Wow. There were some commercials and things, but... Those were like the in-house, like Will Vinton was still doing commercials, but those were like in-house artists. Yeah. And so I'm like, all right, I'll just finish my degree. And then, so I went back to Savannah for like my last semester and then went up to Detroit after that because I got an offer to teach in Detroit. And that was fairly regular. I wasn't getting benefits, but I was getting like, you know, X dollars per class. It was one of those adjunct things. It was pretty low. I think it was like like three grand or something like that per yeah. class, okay. like per course I yeah. was teaching. Um, but I ended up But at least doing it was a, yeah. steady, I guess. Steady. Yeah, and they liked me, so they kept hiring me to do other stuff. Like my first semester there, I only taught one class. And then by the time I left, I was teaching like four or five at a time wow. in like two different departments. There was like a continuing ed department. And they had a certificate program for web design. Oh, you were doing that too? Well, I wasn't teaching web design, but one of the courses they had to take for the certificate was an After Effects class. Uh-huh. And I knew that software. So I was teaching an After Effects class. Eventually, I taught a film production class, mm-hmm. like film one, basically. And that was in the continuing ed program, which was just adults coming in on a Saturday. Okay. You know? yeah. It wasn't like regular students. Yeah. Um, Curious hobbyists and, and such. Basically, yeah. 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 The certificate program was like people trying to, you know, get promoted. or mm. So the After Effects class was pretty steady enrollment because sure. people wanted the certificate. Um, and then... So they kept you pretty busy there. Yeah. And then in 2002, I, coming back to that... Yeah. Now we're back to Edinburgh. Yes. So, so then you apply. Yeah, I applied at Edinburgh and didn't get the job in 2000. I don't know if, again, the dates are hard. Um, it was 2002 or 2003. Because I came here for permanently in 2004. Okay. 
because they because now I'm on their radar. Yeah. Because I interviewed for this job and then didn't get it, but then Dave retired suddenly, mm-hmm. and I think it was something to do with the there was a change in the contract and he didn't want to be affected by it, mm-hmm. so he just said I'm yeah. out. It was I fairly when sudden. he left. Yeah, it was yeah. it was a surprise. And yeah. so they hired a couple people the next year as well, and mm-hmm. I was one of the people. So I was part of a search. You know, I was interviewed as part of a search the previous year, or it was two years. I can't remember now. But and then they contacted me because some somebody had left, yeah. and uh, and they're like, "Well, we kind of need a stop motion animator here now." Mm-hmm. And it was completely. It was Mike and a, a completely different group of people. Yeah, you know? I'm like the second senior member now. Right. Um, How many classes were you in for at that point? I was teaching full-time. Oh, great. You know, I taught full-time pretty much the entire time I'd been here. Wow. All animation stuff yeah. then? Well, there were a few years where I taught film one mm-hmm. as well. And now I'm doing 4D, which is this yeah. freshman-level class. What is 4D? It's like time-based art. I'm still kind of trying to figure it out. Yeah. Because they were just like, it's not a, not really a film class. It's not really an animation class. But film and animation are obviously 4D art forms. Yeah. But so are like, you know, performance art and installation art is kind of a 4D. Yeah, it just sounds know. interesting. I'm, I was just curious what well, the I definition was, of. Yeah, I was doing, classes. and it, it's wildly, it's it's been taught differently by every, and Dietrich was teaching it for the for many years, mm-hmm. and he got so burnt out. He, he taught it for like eight years. Had enough. And he, yeah, he was so burnt <laughs> out with it that he had to switch it up, and I felt for him, you yeah. know, because he, he was hired here to teach sculpture, and, yeah. and then now he's teaching this class, 4D class. Right. You know, it was, um, it's cool to have that class. It's cool the students have it. So you're doing a number of different classes here. When do you have time to um, work on personal side projects? And what was the first one? What was Uh, your first kind of... There was 24 frames. Yeah. If you remember that. Yes, I do. Um, So 24 frames. When did you start work on 24 frames? And, you know, what what was your inspiration, I guess, to start working on personal projects? um, I actually, when I was in Detroit, um, there were a couple of artists there um, one guy in particular called Dave Chai. Um, Dave Chai. Yeah, he um, was doing a lot of his own work. I noticed he was doing films and submitting them to festivals. Okay. And, and getting a lot of kind of recognition that way. Great. And I'm like, and I helped him out with a couple of them. You know, when I, you were out there. Yeah, I just sort of made some art for him, you know, for a couple of those films. And, and I remember thinking, oh, this is cool you know this is a good way to keep busy and right you know, outside to, of the the classroom the day job yeah and to, and to kind of keep in practice mm-hmm. um and there were a couple like commercials again there and that we did and or that he did that i helped with and, yeah um but then when you come out to the borough i imagine you know you didn't know anyone out here so yeah what what made you you know was it just kind of like after class, after hours, you're like, I'm going to start getting into, I want to start doing my own thing. Like, Yeah, basically. And what was the inspiration for specifically 24 frames, which was a well, long short? Yeah, it was 18 minutes. Yes. The first cut of the animatic was 24 minutes, and I cut 
I made a couple really brutal edits. Like, and one brutal edit I made while I was animating, I looked at it and I'm like, this is still too long. And like I even, I actually cut shots that were already done because it was just, it was just too long and it was dragging. Hmm. You know, I, I had worked on this project, which was mainly the inspiration for the film, like where it was kind of like Spinal Tap, like uh-huh. everything just everything that could go wrong went wrong. <laughs> yep, it was a total disaster. Um, so in real life, you had a project that yeah fell apart. Nobody died. Yeah, good. And they actually finished the film, you know, eventually. Yeah, because um, I left and they were like begging me to stay, and I'm like, I got this offer to teach in Detroit. I'm not. Yeah. I gotta go take that. And because um, I was at that time, I was a pretty good animator because mm-hmm. I had worked at Will Vinton and all these shows and it was a stop motion film. Yeah. So, um, so what is the storyline of 24 frames? Well, it's, it's basically me animating on a film and it's a stop motion film within a stop motion film. You had big hair, big, big curly hair. Yeah. Yeah. I always depict myself <laughs> like that. I've depicted myself the same way ever since just round and fat and with <laughs> giant hair and little dot eyes. So it's, a, it's you know, it's a bunch of characters, including myself, mm-hmm. working working on a stop motion film, and it's just a disaster. Everything goes yeah. wrong. I added deaths. Like, yeah. I had a bunch of people die in weird accidents, mm-hmm. like, you know, The Omen or Final Destination or something. Like, Were all the other characters, were they actual people or Pretty much. Based, yeah. yeah. So if your co-workers, <laughs> colleagues, friends, then they can recognize themselves in yeah. 24 frames. Yeah. There's this, there's one artist, Lee, who inspired a character who got killed in the movie. And to, she talks about it to this day. Yeah. You know, whenever I see her at conventions or whatever. Mm. She still brings it up. Nice. <laughs> How I like killed her in a movie. And so a couple people have never have not spoken to me since. <laughs> well, it's not right. surprising. I was I was working out a lot of anger issues. Yeah. You know, it was it was therapy in a way. Kinda. Yeah. Because yeah. I had gotten burned by like academic politics at that mm. you know, several times, and I'm just angry about it, and I'm like, I'm gonna spoof that whole system. Yeah. And so, yeah, it was an 18-minute short, and it actually did really well, like at festivals. I yeah. was really surprised how well it did as people really responded to it. And It's so ambitious to make – I mean, you know, not a lot of people, as you've said, are, are making stop-motion work right. now and, and then, right? So right. you get points for just being a crazy – stop motion animator anyways Basically. but then when it's entertaining and you know well done i mean I, i've seen it a bunch of times it's very <laughs> enjoyable i think i've seen maybe the the longer version and um what you edit it was like a lot of act to. one mm. like act mm-hmm. one was 15 minutes long yeah because they were talking about you know the history of the university they were at and there was just all this exposition yeah and it was like they don't need to know all this. Right. And so so that of, was some of your inside therapy that you were working on. Basically. Yeah. <laughs> it was much more identifiable originally yeah. as like this project. It's already pretty identifiable. Yeah. Um, so you submit to festivals. Um, how did you know to submit to festivals or was that always a plan of I, I finished this 
and and you know we're kind of overlapping into our roundtable discussion, which yeah. we might as well with okay. film festivals too. So you do this, you spend how how much time working on twenty four frames? Would you estimate a long time? Yeah, years I, like three and a half years. I yeah. think it took. So you spend three and a half years. You have this final product and then what are your options for you want people to see it right and then yeah back then there wasn't like a vimeo or a youtube probably right? yeah i mean i think there was youtube but maybe just starting yeah it was not as big as it is yeah but i think well we're up to like 2007 now okay when i actually finished the thing okay yeah because i started on like 2004 and it took me so long that technology developed like i'm actually watching technology develop as I'm working on this thing. And I'm right. like, oh man, I'm getting new technology to shoot the scenes. Like the original, and we didn't have Dragon. That was the other thing. Dragon is a software you shoot stop motion with. And I was looking for, I'm, I'm thinking there's gotta be a way to photograph this thing with just a DSLR. Hmm. Cause I had one, I'm like, you know, it sends a signal to the computer. How hard is it? to write a piece of software where you can flip through and take frames and it makes an animation. But, and I got sort of a, this plugin that was super buggy. It crashed all the time and it didn't, the focus wasn't right. Um, you a know, lot of re retracing your steps and having to redo shots cause they yeah, were out of focus. I had to like clean up a lot of shots cause of the focus issue. Mm. Cause it would refocus and every frame and if the character moved then right the focus would shift uh. and that was they they eventually fixed that but i was like a year and a half into shooting at that point so yeah. i had all this footage i had shot yeah um so in 2007 i think without a box was a thing okay yeah yeah, yeah. And so i was mm -hmm. using that yeah um and i don't use that much anymore because film freeways here now right. that's so much easier but I was basically using without a box to identify festivals and send it off. I was sending discs at that point. Yeah, you know. So those people who don't don't know, um, yeah, without a box was a website that you would create an account, log into, and it had a listing of most of the film festivals in the world. Yeah, and if you want to send to a film festival, most of them you have to pay a fee. Yes. And then back then, yes, you would send a disc. Now you can upload to like a private link and share them a link. But yeah, yeah. you would have to make all of these DVDs. Yeah, I was burning DVDs and sending screeners and they would have to watch them on a DVD. And judge them. Yeah. And you don't know any anything. You, it's not like you're getting feedback as they go along. It's not like they're sending you notes or anything. Oh, no. you, you find out if you're in or you're yeah. not. Yeah. <laughs> it's like binary. Yeah. It's a one or a zero. You're yeah. either in or you're not. Someday. And I never got any feedback. Nobody yeah. ever said. We really loved it, but we just, you know, you get the form, the form letter of like, we got so many submissions. Yeah, like just couldn't program everything. And at that time, I was I was kind of a like let more of a slightly more novice, much less experienced. I was taking the rejection personally. Oh sure, and like sending yeah. angry emails. What the hell? <laughs> this is a work of art. Yeah, I spent three years on this. <laughs> right. 
So how much um, how much was it back then? Probably for shorts, like around twenty, thirty bucks, maybe. To well, send? I had uh, made a rule for myself yeah. that I wasn't going to spend more than twenty. Yeah. So and I've stuck to it ever since. Great, because it's like features are normally about twice whatever it is for oh, yeah. shorts. I don't for envy our listeners, that. So, yeah. I, I'm not sure. I, I know you've <laughs> done that. I I don't know if I'm ever going to do a feature. So how many um, do you want to estimate? Or do you want to share how many festivals you think you may have submitted 24 frames to? Easily over 100. Yeah. Probably approaching 200. Yeah. I had a notebook full, and I think I still have the notebook in, book in my desk. At that time, I kept very careful notes. Yeah, I was going to say, what was your criteria? Did you research festivals? Yeah. yeah. I yeah. mean, obviously... Because really sending blind to festivals is just blowing your money. Like, yeah, <laughs> there's so yeah, many exactly. you need to research. Yeah. So I would go to the without a, without a box listing. And again, there's a new website called Film Freeway, mm-hmm. which is similar, but is much easier to use. Without yeah. a box is super clunky. Yeah. I think without and a box is now. still. Oh, I it think is? it's after this year it's gone. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. They're, well, they're burying it. Oh, yeah, that's a little sad, but there, but it was really clunky. Yeah, and so the, I, yeah, go ahead. Uh, well, I would go because the without a box listing would have a link to the festival's site. Yeah, so I'd go there and read on it and see what other films screen there. There's a couple art- articles I read that I think were either in they were either in Cartoon Brew or they were in Animation Magazine, maybe where. People, you know, filmmakers, independent filmmakers were sharing their experiences with festivals. Right, which was, that was great. They took that away eventually on Without a Box. Yeah. There were, which was very helpful because. People um, telling, giving feedback. Yeah, like which festivals are, you know, because not every festival is legit. Yeah. Um, We've we've had some in Erie um, that, you know, would, would take people's money and it wasn't a real festival that's, you know and there's a lot of those all over the place it just gouging filmmakers just yeah. living off the backs of filmmakers so it was really important to do the research and oh, yeah. read this feedback because you want your film to be seen by people right that's that's the whole point of it yes meet other filmmakers if you go to these festivals yes you know have that networking opportunity and you want your film to be treated well you don't want it just to be shown on a sheet in an empty room <laughs> you know against a wall and here here's my 20 bucks yeah you know, it's like so how many so you researched very well yeah you sent to 100 200 festivals how many festivals um did 24 frames get into like maybe 40 that's amazing. Uh, yeah. That's a really high over success the, rate. Yeah. I mean, I read somewhere the best films get like 50%. So yeah. I, I'm I'm about 24 frames is probably about 25, 30%. That's huge. Which was, yeah. I w- again, I was surprised how well it did. What but, were, which, did you go to some of them? Yeah, I went to, yeah, I went to the Brooklyn one. That was super cool. Um, yeah. Because it won there. The guy called me. Is it called the Brooklyn Film Festival or does it have a different uh, name? Biff, Brooklyn International oh, Film okay. Festival. Yep. Yeah. And they're still around. Mm-hmm. Um, so you went to Biff. Yeah. And the guy, guy, well, the guy called me and says, can, can you come? Uh, that's like, cool. Oh, okay. 
I guess. <laughs> yeah. He's like, we'll put you up. Yeah. So I got a Greyhound. It's in New York City. And, <laughs> yeah. Um, they put me up in a hotel. That's nice. And I spent Good several bonus. days just living on pizza slices and bagels. Yes. Which were quite delicious. But it won, like, its category. And I'm like, oh. That's awesome. Yeah, that's why they wanted me to come here. For um, sure. And, uh, you know, How they, was the, they gave me a statue. and Damn. I was <laughs> So they put you up. That's that's huge. Yeah. They had you, a hotel like, sponsor. Yeah. And it was, you know, I had to figure out the train system. I was, you know. Right. Was that your first time in, in... – Oh no, you had worked there. Yeah, uh, the, yeah. Or you'd worked in Manhattan. Yeah, I was. Uh, that was crashing on a friend's couch in Brooklyn and taking the subway to Manhattan. At that time, but now I was staying in a hotel in Manhattan and taking the right. train to Brooklyn. Yeah. So. But yeah, it won like over several films. Like it beat a, a Bill Plimpton film. And I'm like, what? No. <laughs> and I, I, I remember being real. They gave me like because they announced it, and I was there, and I had to walk up and accept the award and say yeah. something. I remember being so flustered. I just said thanks, <laughs> and then I left. And the guy says, "Hey, let's hear it for keeping it short." <laughs> nice. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> so I still have that statue. It's a little chameleon. Oh, that's really and cool. It, yeah, one probably you know, eight or 10 festivals yeah. that were at one, it's category. That's awesome. So that was the most success. Yeah. So that made me want to do more. Yeah. I haven't achieved that level of success since, but well, I okay. still do it. So, yeah. so let's skip ahead a little bit. What was the next, next film that you did? There was the frog film. Yes. So that was 2010. And the title of that? Of Frogs and Gods. Yep. And I have I continue to this day to give students in my class DVDs. Great, because I got a thousand of them printed. Yeah, which never do that. <laughs> I have, oh man, I still have. Yeah, Schism and There Are No Goodbyes DVDs. How many in the basement? Um, <laughs> probably. I mean, we did pretty well with Schism, so I probably have a couple hundred. But There Are No Goodbyes, you know, is like. 2000 um you made two. 12 or something when that you know so that was kind of when dvd sales oh. were starting to go down so yeah. yeah i probably have oh man probably like 800 a thousand there are no goodbyes DVDs. <laughs> i think i have like 400 still yeah. of frogs can i bring you like a case of dvds and then you can give those also sure <laughs> okay i just want them gone I'm just, i yeah, agreed I'm, every agreed. every time i have a new class. I think several students of mine have like three or four copies. <laughs> they just take another one. Yeah, yeah. Give wrap it up. Give it to somebody for the holidays or something, please. Just, but it was just... like only it was only fifty dollars more to print a thousand than yeah. it was to print five hundred. Yeah. And I'm like, sure, that's not. Yeah, I'm I'll, saving I'll sell money. all those. I'm saving money. Yeah. But I I ended up I actually made my money back by selling them at five bucks a piece. Yeah. And I, and That's great. I, I can't remember how much I paid. Like five hundred, maybe, or something. So, something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, uh, five hundred for like a thousand was like what I I remember for some reason. Yeah, yeah. And so that was the only time I ever did that. <laughs> yeah. I never had the DVDs printed. Right. 
So, so um, for that was Frogs Frogs 2010. That was a drawn film. Yeah, and beautiful. And what's the story for of Frogs and Gods? That was based on an Aesop fable, mm-hmm. and um, it was frogs basically having a holy war. Yeah. So like they yeah, there's some death, some death. Yeah, in there. the character they pretty much all die. Mm-hmm. And I got into a thing where I was always killing my characters. Yeah. Several people noticed and. And I'm like, oh, that's kind of a thing. So I got back the new one. The character dies. So I'm like getting back to that of right. just having death be a major theme in my films. So Frogs yeah. and Gods. Um, and can can we watch uh, 24 frames in Frogs and Gods somewhere? Oh Are yeah, they out on. Yeah, they're uh, all on my website. On Vi- your, they're all on Vimeo. What's your website address? BradPatello.com. Great. B r a d p a t t u l l o. And you also are on Vimeo. Yeah. Under your name as well. Yeah. I always use my name on the internet. Yeah. Because I'm old. That's these, these kids. <laughs> well, like, it's your brand. Yeah. These kids uh, follow me on Instagram. And it's like Pokemon Trainer 1994. <laughs> I'm like, who is that? They right. have these weird names they right. call themselves on Instagram. I'm like. And then their image is also like not them. So you have no idea yeah. who these people are. But I'm like, don't do that. Yeah. Have an Instagram that's. Yeah, if you're putting your work out there, well, that's you should put your name somewhere because yeah. you're going to want to get hired <laughs> exactly. at some point. That's one thing I keep, unless you have like a site for your, you know, making weird furry fetish stuff, which, right? That you don't want people yeah. to know about. Which yeah. I no no judgments. No, you know no. I. But if if you want to keep that under wraps, then yeah, a good name like Pokemon <laughs> something nineteen twenty four. Whatever is going to be great. They had a uh, well. I keep hearing that they're going to look at your Instagram. Like whenever I go to festivals or conferences, and there's a a talk about how to get a job in the industry, mm-hmm. that that always comes up. They look like, you up. We're going to look you up on Instagram. Mm-hmm. So have an Instagram art account that that's under your name where you just post your art, and you have some contact information. That, yeah, yeah. Like have a brand out there. Yeah, you know, have a website. That's a good link, pro tip. Link it to the yeah listeners. Do that. Yeah, good. No, that's <laughs> link good. it. Link it to your website. Call yourself your own name on the internet, unless you have some weird thing on the side, which is fine. Yeah, but don't have that under your name. Yeah, like whatever have, you might want to get hired for or network with, make sure you're identifiable. Yes. Yeah. So, so have um, your name. What was after of Frogs and Gods? So we did Baby It's You. Yeah. Which was another horror nod. Mm-hmm. Nod to like B, 50s, 50s B horror. Like a music video. Yeah. Yeah. And that was that one I didn't write. Okay. Was, um, Who I, wrote it? Well, Dave Coles. Um, and we've worked with him many times. And Jeremy, my colleague, Jeremy. What's Jeremy's last name? Gallant. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've worked with Dave many times. Um, he had the animatic ready to go. Oh, I wow. Mean, it was just kind of sitting around for a couple of years, this animatic he did with this song. Yeah. And the story about, you know, a mad scientist who makes a robot body for his wife who died, which is very similar to the plot of um, the head or the brain that wouldn't die. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, which they watched on Mystery Science Theater. Yeah. So he had, you know, he had this animatic floating around for a couple of years and I don't know, we just came in and did the animation. 
um, like we built everything. In it. That was a real quick turnaround. Oh, was it? How how long? Well, less than a year. Okay. Like because that was 2011. Frogs mm-hmm. and Gods was 2010. And after I finished Frogs and Gods, they were like, "Hey, let's do this." Nice. And it, that was Ready that was only go. like a nine month turnaround. Yeah, it was that's real a different quick. story than starting from complete scratch. Yeah, because the story was already done. <laughs> yeah, and I, we were just making the footage. And yeah, the timing was there, and the you know the that's the storytelling. Did you you guys submitted um, that to festivals too, right? Yeah, that one that one was pretty successful mm-hmm. too. That one I remember seeing that around for sure. I don't remember the number on that one because I wasn't Dave was the one kind of submitting uh, he was it. In, yeah, so I don't know how many he submitted to and how many we got in. Mm-hmm. I have it on my resume, like how many I have a big list of okay festival credits yeah. on my CV. Um, on your website so people can... Yeah. So if you go to my website and you click on the CV, you can see all the festivals mm-hmm. and all the awards. But uh, Baby It's You got into a lot of horror festivals too. Okay. So yeah. like, like that's sort of a... It has that aesthetic to it for sure. Yeah. It's yeah. sort of a genre thing. Mm-hmm. So we were eligible for horror films. Yeah. Best, and there's a lot of those. I think I saw it at like the Erie Horror Fest locally. Yeah. Um, I screened it there. Yeah. Which was cool to see it. At, it. Was it at the Warner then at that time? Yeah. Yeah. So you saw it on I got on to see nice, it at the Warner. Yeah, yeah. Nice presentation. And there was a movie with Tori Spelling, I remember. That screened at the same screen. Oh, man. Okay. I don't remember. I don't remember that one. And you... Maybe she I was, walked out. She was after like years. nude in it. Okay, I, 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 I missed remember, that. I was sort of scarred by that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you did, baby, it's you. Yes. And you had a good festival experience on that one as well. What What yeah. came next? What was then your next? Um, I think it was the Tiger Maple video. Oh yeah, that one was I so think, much fun. Yeah, that was, and that one did okay. Uh huh. That one got into some. What was that one called? Um, Indian Ate the Woodchuck. Mm-hmm. So it was the local band. Yeah, um, they're great. Tiger, Tiger Maple String Band. Mm-hmm. And I was friends with Lori. I was going to say, yeah, how'd you get linked well, up with those guys? Well, this um, is Lori Burke. Lori right? Burke um, has kids. Talented musician. Yeah. She had done a lot of, you know, she's in that band and she does a lot of local music things. There's Cass out there. Yeah. Um, but we have kids the same age. Okay. I had met her like at a, it was like a music class called Kinder Music. Okay. And my son was like three or four at the time. So this was like 12 years ago. Yeah. And her daughter was in class and we, we met and she said, yeah, I'm in this band called Tiger Maple String, String Band. And so I went to one of their shows Um a lot of fun. They're good energy. Yeah, I like them live. Mm-hmm. You yeah, know, they, me too. It's like, yeah, high really energy good. and um, just a lot just of really fun. talented yeah. musicians. Yeah, she's great. And so, um, I don't know. I think I was just looking for something to do, and, you and just I said, like, "Hey, what about what if we did a video?" Yeah, and I don't think I even had a story. I yeah. think it was like, "Hey, can I make, animate something to one of your songs?" Yeah. Because I, you know, we did Baby It's You, and, you know, if you animate to a song, you don't have to build a soundtrack. Mm-hmm. So 
I don't I don't think there was even a story. I was like, well, I'll just build a story around this song. Yeah. You know, and I went and listened to one of their albums and picked out the song and because it was kind of short and had high energy and um and what's the story basically of the of the or at least of your video? Well, it's sort of like it's just a kind of a gag film. It's like a country mouse city mouse kind of thing where you know the the country cousin or the city cousin comes to the stay with the country cousin, and there's gags about how he is trying to get used to the lifestyle, and right. you know, and and interspersed with that is like puppet version of the band, yeah, playing in a barn, yeah, which that was the main thing I kind of wanted to do, build that set, build the set and animate musicians yeah. playing, and there was some back and forth with Lori about like. Is this right? Because uh-huh. I don't play any instruments. Yeah. So I animated a shot of characters playing, and I just did, like, the air guitar thing with this hand. Like, <laughs> just move the fingers right. around randomly while this hand was just going up and down. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I'm like, is this right? And she goes, yeah, it looks right. Damn. I'm like, oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> what about the finger movements over here? And she's like, hey, looks good. Okay. <laughs> and she showed it to the rest of the band, and they're like, yeah, that looks cool. That's awesome. So I'm like, all well, right, then I guess I'll just keep it. going. <laughs> that was some a challenge. I think with each project, I try to give myself a challenge, yeah. like something i never done before, mm-hmm. like learning a new process. Or So that one did okay. Um, it was in some festivals like um, – like Appalachian themed, like mm. country music themed sure. festivals. That makes sense. Um, with sort of genre festivals, of course, you're not competing against everybody. Mm-hmm. You're only competing against other films of that genre. So a good tip would be to like know know your audience, right? When you're choosing what festivals to submit to, yeah, um, you that, might instead of just casting a wide net necessarily, it might be good to research. Well, yeah. What kind of films do these festivals show? What kind of categories do they have that maybe thematically relate to the message in your film? Right. And looking at what has screened there before, like what films and what films have won. Yeah. Just to get their sensibility. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, genre films are good like that. Mm -hmm. You can do that. So I get the Appalachia thing for sure yeah like With, country music mm-hmm. festivals or bluegrass yeah um there there's not many that one's screened in pittsburgh hmm. and i went so i've got you know I got, which festival in pittsburgh i think it was called pittsburgh underground film festival okay uh-huh um how, and the, how did that go it was cool i mean they had there was something weird with the video like uh, oh the no. first time they played it technical difficulties yeah the colors were reversed Ooh, like something with the, the polar opposite. And I'm like, okay, I guess we're doing this. <laughs> it's psychedelic. And, and people were like, oh, that was really cool. <laughs> and you I, just... liked, I liked your colors. I'm like, that. okay, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> like, you didn't want to tell them that uh, well, it was they, screwed like, up. I mean, they... Um, it's it, three, immediate... three, three minutes long, right? So yeah. probably after a few seconds into it, you're like, oh, man, it's going to be over in a minute. Yeah. <laughs> Well, they then they played. They're like, "Oh, they announced. Oh, we're sorry, that was wrong." 
We're just, we're just going to play this again. Oh, well, that's And nice, I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. So you got two plays. Yeah. Well, that's that's good that they corrected it. Like people... Um, projection is always an issue. It's oh, either yeah. sound, projection. It's, it's gotten better recently. I remember I, when I we, so. were, we were doing our film festivals here. Yeah. Like there was nothing but technical issues. Yeah. It was when we were doing them in coal... It's just one thing after another. This mm-hmm. wouldn't work. That wouldn't work. Yeah. Um, and I, it's been a, several years now that we've had any issue. Yeah. Because now you can just, like when I first got here, we were playing the films on a mini DV tape. Right. And there was all kind of, there was all, all this wiring involved and. So complicated. Yeah. So many things could mess up and you'd have to hunt for what the thing was. Right. <laughs> but now. It's one cable. You can just render a movie. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and it's an HDMI cable. HDMI file, and you're just playing it. And there's so few things that go wrong now. Yeah. You know, you render it, and that's what what I was saying about earlier about how filmmaking and animation is much more accessible now Mm -hmm. because the technology is such that it's easy to do. Not not easy, but, um, you know, you can get a camera that shoots really good footage for like 500 bucks yeah and with where you can switch out the lenses yep yeah you don't need to drop five thousand dollars on something you really don't (laughs) yeah like a lot of people for a while like we were really programmed to like oh man i gotta get the you know once you get going down that path of i always have to have the best camera and the newest lens and whatever like you can get lost just spending money and not actually making anything but i can't imagine. like you said now there's no excuse really i remember when i was sending 24 frames around a couple of festivals asked for the budget no nah, yeah and i'm like i don't even know just make am i up. counting my labor right if i don't count my labor it's under a million <laughs> right you could you could just tell them that yeah oh it's under a million under i should have used that because <laughs> a couple of them were like this is too low because i'm like i don't know a thousand dollars maybe like because yeah. i bought you know stuff to make the characters right. and you had to eat well if i'm not that's not counting my labor right that's just how much i spent on the stuff but when you're working by yourself like yeah it kind of should count that, right? I guess. Well, I know that now. Yeah, because it's Cause I was, kind of discredited yeah, yourself. I know. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, count, figure out your own listeners. Figure out your own labor and pay yourself. <laughs> We're going to jump ahead, Brad, to Stuffed. Um, you've had, you've worked on such a, a, a lot of, you've worked on a lot of things, Um so I think we're going to bring you back. We're okay. going to do a part two. Okay. But let's jump ahead to Stuffed, which we're showing on Wednesday. Yes. Um, what can we expect with Stuffed? Uh, it's, a, it's a short film, three minutes or so. Um, really simple. It's digitally drawn. Okay. Um, Is that the first time that you did that? Yeah. So Frogs and Gods was drawn on paper, but this was straight into the Cintiq. And... Uh, that's much easier. There's so like, you wanted to get your feet wet on the Cintiq with this project, basically. Yeah, I realized, you know, we had a Cintiq lab at school that for a couple of years, and I didn't know how to use any of the software. I hadn't done real digital painting for, like, many years or anything, yeah. and I wanted to relearn that process and, and learn a program called Toon Boom, which is 
digital animation software. Okay. We spent a lot of money on this software at school so the students could animate on it, and I didn't really know how to use it, you know, so I needed to teach myself the software. So it's, it's main, it was mainly a way to teach myself software, but it's just a, another dark story about death. And <laughs> Well, um, what's the story? So we have um, this taxidermist. Yes, taxidermist chases his squirrel around his house. Taxidermist with a with an interesting uh, he's got collection of his own artwork. Yeah, he's got all this weird taxidermy he's made with a lot Very of disturbing references. Yeah, great hilarious references you have to look forward to. Like Brad, you have a lot of like little Easter eggs um, all over the place and references to yeah pop culture and history and there are there's a that had to have been fun to come up with all it, of those. Yeah, it was. Yeah, um, just I made a, filled my several sketchbook pages with what could the tax, weird taxidermy <laughs> look like. Yeah. Like, so there's and, a squirrel. Yeah, so he's, you know, making a, like, he makes these weird taxidermy dioramas that he has all over his house. Mm-hmm. And he has a business. It's implied that he runs a taxidermy business. Yeah. Um, this is his personal time. Yeah. But yeah. this thing is something he wants to do and. Squirrel interrupts him, and he grabs a shotgun and starts shooting at it. Yeah. That's pretty much it. <laughs> and that's I want to spoil the ending. Yeah, yeah. There's, we, like, kind of a won't. twist at the end. Yeah. But, um, and I thought it would be a good one to show with Midsommar because at the end of Midsommar, there's a bit of strange taxidermy going on. Yeah, I like that. Which connection. is connected with my Halloween costume. Ooh. That I'm wearing at our event. Oh, um, so I'll anyways. have to wear my Starfleet. <laughs> there you go. Uniform. That's right. That's my standard Halloween. It's a good one. Yeah. You're one of the red shirts, right? Yeah, I'm a red shirt. Yeah, that yeah. I've been. I've worn the same costume for about ten years. <laughs> yeah, I've it's seen like a, it. It's like a red shirt, but it fits. It's good. <laughs> it's good. Sometime I want to do a. I want to do a They Live Alien one of these years. Sure. Right? Have a shirt that says "Obey," and I paint my <laughs> paint my face like the aliens. Next year, I might have to do that some year. Just surprise everybody. Well, yeah. I won't be surprised now that I've said it. But Aww. that was <laughs> <laughs> well. Um, so, yeah, stuffed. Uh, are you submitting to festivals now? Yeah, I've started. I'm using uh, Film Freeway now, and uh, I haven't heard anything yet. But uh, I've submitted to a few. I'm being kind of cheap about it. You know, um, yeah. there's so many, there's I know. thousands of yeah. film festivals. I so mean, film I, freeway is the replacement for without a box. Yeah. And it's super easy. You can upload your film right to the site. Yeah. And sometimes they'll even just take that upload and screen that. Yep. Cause it's like a 1920 by 1080 file. Yeah. Um, the cool thing so is it's for, so easy now. Yeah. And with, so I'm doing the same thing now for unearth. Mm-hmm. And the is cool it done? thing, uh, well, we're doing work in progress submissions yeah. now. I mean, it's really close. Okay. Um, but the cool thing now, instead of sending in a disc and that's your one shot, you know, you can uh, if if we have a new version of the film, you know, with say the next pass of sound design or uh-huh. next pass of the score, you just replace what you've got up there on Film Freeway. You switch out and the then file. You, yeah, and then you yeah. always have the latest version. Um, so yeah, if something awesome. is a little obsolete, 
like back in the day when you sent out a disc to a film festival, that's yeah. all they're going to see. That was the thing. So if you worked on it for two more months of polish after that, that's that's a benefit, I, I think, now of, you know, the internet. Yeah. <laughs> Are you going to have some kind of screening? Yeah, we're going to, we, we will for sure. But we're going to wait until, um, like with features, for sure, you want to wait until you make some festivals. Okay. Because then you get disqualified from a lot of them if you do public screenings. Before. Oh, really? Yeah, with features. Huh. They want those premiere statuses. I see. So mostly for shorts, they don't care. No, not not as much. Some, not as sometimes much. they do. Yeah. yeah. They yeah, definitely you, care if it's online. Definitely check uh, before you submit to each of them for our listeners. You can see what their requirements are. Yeah. Like, and see if they have a premiere status or an online, yeah, if you put it out online publicly. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you can do it privately and then just share your link with friends or whatever. Yeah, I've got a password-protected Vimeo right now, and probably in a year or a year and a half, I'll just make it public. That's what I've been doing. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, and then you meet their requirements. Because they want to be the ones to, they don't want it to be readily available because that's really going to hurt your chances of being picked. Yeah, that's true. Especially if it's a feature. Yeah. Like, I don't know, I'm finding a lot of shorts. They don't really care about the premiere status. Uh, But I can understand. Yeah, I can understand with the features, though, because you're investing a lot of time in it. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, that is one thing a lot of festivals will ask. Like, is this, has this ever screened in Tennessee before? Or has this screened in the United States? Or, yeah. What kind of, that's never screened in Tennessee. It's a a Tennessee premiere. Right. Yeah. All right, so you're submitting, and we'll see how it goes. But um, hopefully, I'll get a chance to see it. Yeah, hopefully, I'll have more to report, festival-wise. Yeah, if, if we do another like a part two or something. Yeah, well, we will for sure. Um, so Brad, we'll we'll wrap part one okay. for now. Great, and then. Uh, well, thanks for having me. Yeah, more next Wednesday, soon. I'm excited. Yeah, I like the food. They have good beer. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, good drinks. I have to drive home but you know we're gonna (laughs) within that window we're gonna that's right come down and meet brad brad will introduce the film and we'll do a a little q a afterwards too see if we get some questions from the from the general public cool cool i'm excited So that's been our episode. You can buy tickets for Midsommar with Stuffed and the rest of our programming at filmsocietynwpa.org or at the door the day of the event. Next week, our guest will be Brian Sheridan, chair and senior lecturer at the Department of Communication at Mercyhurst University to talk about the career of filmmaker Alice Guy Blachet. And on our November 11th episode, we'll be joined by Menagerie Studio to talk about their new documentaries, Art 100 and New Americans. Make sure to follow us on social media. You'll find all the tags and links in the show notes for this episode, including links to Brad Patillo's material. Until next time, this was Film Grain. This podcast is produced by Edinburgh University Center for Branding and Strategic Communication. It's part of the Northwest Pennsylvania Innovation Beehive Network.